we have our guest with us, B. Pagels Minor. Please, by all means, let our people know what brings you to the conversation today. Well, first I have to say, I, I actually just got a shipment no- notification that my new air, air purifier is on its way. So this is like our third one, right? Like that's how serious it is out here. I'm up here like Googling, like, how can my air be pure? Like, this is like the little things that make us excited. But uh, I think that just like from a general point, I'm here because of community. Um, before we actually started recording, I shared the fact that, you know, it's actually happenstance. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say happenstance, right? Because nothing that we do is really by chance, right? It's usually by us ordering our steps and getting to the place that we're supposed to be. Um, so actually, I uh, when I first moved out here to California, I joined a group called Sister Circle, Black Women in Tech. And Lexi, who was on the podcast, uh, you know, just like yesterday, uh, she and I met uh, because someone said, you know, you have to meet Lexi. Lexi is someone who will change your life. And to be truthful, she has. And also, she's like literally the loveliest. Like if you and also I don't really like hugs, but her hugs give like a whole nother level to hugs. And then I was just like, so I see Lexi, I'm like, you know what? I'm ready. Just give me all of that in one place. But she actually uh, she connected me to someone named Dominique Collins. And Dominique Collins connected me to someone named Say. And Say actually is the person who connected me with this podcast and said, you know, be like, I really think you should be here. So I'm here because of community and the fact that, you know, it's a really great opportunity to kind of share some of my thoughts and, and also kind of promote those other folks who stand behind me and, and I stand on their shoulders. That's what's up. The, the world is small and it is grand at the same time. And, you know, I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, we definitely going to dig deep and see what's, what's up, what's up. But, um, you know, more importantly, given that you, you've worked with these people or at least have them in your network, right, within your social circles, kind of what is what is your kind of overall goal? What is it that you're trying to accomplish for yourself? And having worked with these other people, I, I don't want to make the assumption, but I have a feeling that you also are doing work for others and supporting others. So what is those two, two ends look like for yourself and then for the people? Yeah, you know, I think uh, for me, it is, it's about lifting up other people. You know, I always tell folks that like my superpower is meeting people, understanding deeply what can make them successful and then helping supercharge that ability. Right. And I think that actually comes from, you know, so I actually, you know, tell folks all the time. So this, this pandemic and this economic downturn reminds me a little bit of 2008. And so I graduated in 2008. And when I graduated from college, you know, I started off, I had this consulting degree. I had this consulting job. I was getting paid more money than anyone in my family ever had. And then the job went away and I was a barista at Tivana. And I remember reaching out to people that I thought were really cool, who were super, you know, well-respected and saying, I'm the struggling kid who just wants a job. Right. And I would love to talk to you. And so many of those people ignored me. Right. Like I never got responses back and many people just didn't invest in me. And so for me personally, like I spent a lot of my time just, you know, putting myself out there and, and telling people, like, I'm here for you. Like, I'm here for you to run ideas off of. If you have questions about how to navigate the corporate, you know, workspace, how to navigate tech, how to just navigate life, right? Like, you know, I love talking about that. I love participating in that. And I love helping people kind of like open themselves up. You know, one of the things that I think is like very difficult for both um, just generally for minorities as well, as well as women is that we have this assumption that we may not be good enough. But the reality is, is that like, to be truthful, like 
we, we, we speak two languages just coming out of the womb, right? Because we have to speak the language of whatever our, our culture is, but we also have to speak the language of the dominant culture, which are white folks. And we have to, you know, and so because of that, we are naturally in tune and much more empathetic and have the ability to be more successful in most workplaces than just about anyone. And all the, the only thing that we really need is the encouragement to, to prove that we ha- that we can do that. And so that's really what I do. And so I do a lot of work, um, you know, speaking, appearing on podcasts, writing things, one-on-one mentorship with those young people, also some not so young people, because I mean, everybody needs, you know, advice. And, and it's really just that that's the work of my life. And, you know, when, I, when it's all said and done, I hope um, that people will say that B just did a lot to completely change and create this army of a magnificent humans who helped change the world. Super important, super powerful, and super thankful for you being here with us today. Um, you know, I it's uh, you know, it's incredible to hear all that and to know that you know, at least at the very least, in the smallest parts of the world, we can be a part of the conversation and, and be able to learn from you, like. You know, you you mentioned some names that have been pivotal in my own life and development and have been critical in how I look at things and how I show up in the workplace. So to hear you mention, say, mention Lexi to to speak to all these different things and then yourself join us here today is like, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Uh, You know, they don't you you hit it on the head in terms of saying speaking two languages, right? Like the level of empathy because of being at a disadvantage, right? Being people of color, being black, being whatever you want to call it, African-American, the the African diaspora. Um, For me, I know this might rub some people the wrong way, but being American descendants of slaves and what that culture looks like, right? Like we are Americans and we are descendants of slaves and we have, we have had to take, what you what whatever little you've given us and we've created things that are supremely valuable to society to the world and to each other right like we are profound people and it's seen when you look at a movie like black panther right that is that is you know i, I was having a conversation with somebody and they were being hypercritical about the movie and they were like how how can so many people identify with t'challa when he's from Southeast Africa. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Back it up. He was like, I could see if he was from West Africa, it'd be a different story. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm like, most of us being American descendants of slaves, we don't have a national country of origin that we can identify. And this fictitious country that was created within America, which was to give us some sense of like attachment or belonging has become our unofficial homeland, right? And now we see it manifested on the screen, supported through a black lens, especially a dude from the Bay Area, Ryan Coogler, shout out to him. And it's through the scope of trying to reconcile all these different threads of our own personal identities being played out on one of the biggest stages possible. That's the reason why T'Challa is so important, right? That's the reason why it's so important for us to know the power in ourselves and to uplift and hold each other like as like applaud worthy. So that brings me to saying this, like before we continue, I just want to give you all the awards, praise, love, admiration that you deserve. Because I know when you work, when you walk into work, 
they not they're not going to give you a plaque for saying you made it this far right then no one's going to say you are here right because i know for me when i go into work and i look around and i don't see my friends or people that reflect my community it's isolating at, at times and you need to like you know have those moments where you can find alexi to embrace to say oh we're we're in this together we're in this struggle we're in this whether we no matter how far we come our ability to connect empowers and enriches our lives and gives us that nutritional feed but more importantly people who aren't in those conversations or don't get to be a part of those circles we want to give you that love and support to know that even where we are at it's an honor to know that you're there doing what you got to do to show up and be yourself that you're able to see within yourself that yes from the very beginning, the duality of our, our identities and how we have to operate in this world is now making us important and showing our worth beyond just the scope of a role and a title because we're fulfilling things most times that not everyone is able to do, right? And, and a lot of those people, right, who might be the gatekeepers don't look like us, but when they see, oh, they're actually incredible at what they do, you know, uh, maybe we should get behind them, right? So- yeah again thank you but um and b i just want to say thank you and give you praise for paying homage for those that came before you because that shows your strength and your dignity as a black woman and i know about code switching or code meshing or whatever you want to call it and some people may call it out and say oh what's a, you know what you're are you trying to assimilate are you trying to are you trying to remove yourself from or, or from a certain Culture, people group and, and assimilate to a different kind. And you know what? I say as many people you can talk to and in as many ways as you can, that's that's boss. So if you have to, if you know you're gonna, gonna communicate the most effectively talking one way with this group of people and then go over there and still same, share your same heart, which is what you're doing, all praise. That's, that's nothing but good. But, um, I do want to give a shout out to uh, the late and great Chadwick Boseman um, because he was a real life superhero. And I actually had a chance to meet him in person. And the man was just filled with so much peace despite what may have been going on within him physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And physically, here he is leading just um, this fictitious world, but no, really a um, fictitious country, Wakanda on, on the screen, but he was such a leader um, into, and just as a person to, so to be in his presence was an honor. And I just want to wrap up and say, it's also an honor to be co-hosting here with you guys as well. It's kicking off to be a great episode. I hope all of our listeners are really tuning in because it's about to get to Exactly, exactly. So, um, B, where where do you come from? Where where did you get where did your, your roots start? Like where part of the world are we talking about? Yeah. Well actually, so it's so funny that you say that, right? Because uh, actually I just well and so I wanna I wanna take a step back because obviously there's like the reality of what I've been since I've been here, right? But uh, there's also this idea of like where have we been? So when we talk about Wakanda and why people are so like inspired by it, it's because we all, most of us, people who are descendants of enslaved people, um, we don't know the full story. Like I can tell you, for instance, my dad's side of the family, there's a cemetery down in Mississippi where I'm from. 
um, that we can I can show you the the various ancestors. And you know that's the one who was the first one to be freed from slavery, right? But I can't tell you where we were before then, right? And actually, I just took this African ancestry class, like ancestry test, and so now I know from my mom's side of the family, I'm from Cameroon, and so I'm I'm waiting for my dad to do his test because I want to see where he's from too. And it's actually really great because like I didn't I didn't even know anything about Cameroon, but I was like, so I'm gonna follow Cameroon soccer. I'm gonna follow Cameroon. I was like, I'm gonna wear all the colors. Like people are not gonna be able to deal with me because like I'm like I'm I'm at least partially Cameroonian so like you know this is who I am now, but uh, I, but I was born in Mississippi, um, so very small town in Mississippi, not that far from uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I actually lived in Chicago for a couple of years before we settled back down into Memphis, and I went to uh, I kind of got my you know once I was in school and things like that I went I went to school in Memphis, Tennessee, and so like I say very specifically I'm super southern right because there is like the, there's a very big difference between being a Southern black person and like a black person for somewhere else, right? Like there's like, there's this like very much like uh, this, this dynamic of like the way that we kind of hold ourselves and how we kind of act. And I always tell folks like, you know, I was like, everyone is my friend until you're not. And when you're not, you know, like there's no confusion about what your status is in my life. Uh, but like, I, I am from the traditional um, actually what's one of the most fascinating things about my life is that, I remember when I was a child, so like two, three, four, being at my grandma's house, which was like a shack. It was literally a shack, and it was a shack that my great grandfather had built. Um, and so it started off as like a one room shack, and they just kept putting different rooms on it. And like it was like so interesting because you didn't want to be in certain rooms because there was too much of a like there was too much of a draft. It would be too cold, right? Um, and now, and, and so then when my when I was in high school, my family put got together all this money and they built my grandma like a legit house, right? And so that's like, that's literally like, that's to me is like kind of the, when I think about my journey, you know, especially working in tech and, and doing the types of work I do and the, the obscene amounts of money I get paid now compared to like what my, like what I even considered back then. It's just like, whoa, like I'm, I'm from a family that in Mississippi that, you know, thought a shack was like the best place in the world. I mean, come on. Uh, a lot of black people. Right. We we me and Alice go back and forth about this a lot of times, but we got we have ties. Our family comes from the South. Right. There's a lot of people. I mean, you know, especially us being on the West Coast migrated from the southern states to come out here for more opportunities. Right. For, you know, being able to to try and lay claim to something that, you know, is kind of fertile right and so to hear that you come from the south and that you've been able to kind of be in the midwest and to, and to see different aspects of the south and that culture like i know firsthand it it is a difference it is it's, it's it is almost like a, a whole nother country if you will because of certain dynamics that are at play and the history and lineage right like being able to go back and say i can go and see where you know oh this is the first freed person in my family right like most people they'd be like watching PBS and be like living vicariously through Chris Rock when he goes and does his test and be like, oh, but there's a slave in the family. And it's like, you know, most times kids don't even realize that the generations like I know for my family, it was like there's my grandma, there's my great grandma. And then there's her, her mom, her, you know, she was a slave. Right. And then I look back and I'm like, my grandma picked cotton in Texas, like my grandma. Right. We don't think about how close these certain elements to life are to us but to hear like yeah you got to see firsthand like you don't want to be in this room in this shack that is grandma's house right because it's a draft but then to have the ability to say okay 
now we're at a place where we can give her something that, you know, this is what you, this is what we want to give to you, right? We want to give you this and we're able to, we're capable to, that's powerful in itself. So with that, like you come with that, what made you get into tech? And then within that, like, what do you do specifically within the realm of tech? Yeah, so actually, you know, um, so I graduated in 2008. So 2008 was the last great economic downturn. And um, I went to, you know, uh, Northwestern. So like in Northwestern, there's like a there's like a few different careers that you normally take. Like so you end up going to law school or medical school or you go to become a consultant and go get a business degree. And so I took the go be a consultant and take the business degree. But I honestly, I was at my job for three months and then they lost, you know, like a lot of their contracts and they were like, peace, like, you know, we don't have a space for you. And so I actually started doing a lot of like really random work. My favorite job was honestly being a barista at Ivana because like, honestly, the tea was hidden. Like that tea was so delicious. Like, I'm just gonna put that out there. But- uh, I needed to know that. I needed to know. Because they don't get the love. So I needed, I needed to know. They pop, they just pop up and then- you either know somebody that worked there or don't, and then like, how do I navigate? Do I go get tea off out of safe off the Safeway shelf, or do I just hit up Tivana? I I need it. I need that real information. I need yeah. the real scoop. Definitely get a Tivana. Like like it's like it's Starbucks. The Starbucks makes the Tivana like drinks. It's really good. Like I I, I fully approve of them. Um. So one thing that uh, but what was really great about that is that I started doing like various like job fairs and stuff like that, and so I actually became a store manager at Target. And so one, so this is a little convoluted story, but it makes sense when it all comes together. But uh, so I, I became a store manager at Target, um, which I, interestingly enough, I still had to make tea because there's a Starbucks in the Target. And so I managed a part of the store that included the Starbucks. I had to learn how to, to, to make coffee and tea. So like I, I stepped up my skill level. But it was actually through that job that I realized I absolutely freaking hate it doing that work. Um, and and Target actually had a really great program where they would pay for your grad school. Like so they would pay for a percentage of it. And so because of that, I ended up going to grad school and I got uh, I did a dual program. So a master of information systems and MBA. And through that program, I actually uh, got introduced to the CEO of a startup in Chicago called ShareCell. And I became like an entry level tech support person. Right. And so that job is actually the job that introduced me to product management. And so I actually work as a product manager. Um, so product managers, I think the simplest way to think about a product manager is any device you have. So let's say an iPhone. Um, there's someone who thinks about whether, like whether there should be icons or not, like whether there should be touch ID or, you know, uh, face ID. And so product managers are the people who are behind those decisions. Like they do a lot of analysis, whether it's, um, you know, user experience surveys, they talk to customers and they make those decisions. And so that's, a, that's what my actual work is. Um, and so I've been a product manager for about eight years now. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. So um, is it safe to say where you work? So I currently work at um, but yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. But before that, like, you know, I worked at Apple, I worked at Sprout Social, I've worked at a lot of different uh, tech companies. I will say that this is the first time I really, really like where I work. So that's why I'm very comfortable in saying it. In fact, we're recruiting for a lot of roles right now. So uh, if you're looking, uh, feel free to take a look. I guess I need to start looking. Look, June. <laughs> June came back right on time. She she heard the opportunity and then what she well, you see where she at now sipping your tea so to me you know it's important like 
you know, that people want to enjoy where they are, right? Because everyone is dealing with, you know, different levels of kind of, I call 2020 the great awakening, right? Like we are coming to terms with like how to, how to provoke and push the culture forward in all these different spaces. Cause we're, we're whole people, right? Like, yeah, I wear a mask. Cause I, I realize I'm in a world where it's easy to commodify what I do, right? I make music. I enjoy making music, but I create the separation and boundary because I want to be more part of a community. I don't want to deal with fame. Right. So when the mask is on, the mask is for sale. When the mask is off, I'm not for sale. Right. And so there's that that relationship that we have where it's like, you know, tech and tech companies a lot of times are seen as like the evil overlords of like you're coming in to take away. But in reality, you know, when you look deeper at it, right, we're going through a transformation of industry. Right. Like the biggest kind of supplier of movies doesn't have copies physical media like it's it's an online service right just like one of the biggest kind of i want to say housing opportunists or opportunities that you can get they don't own property airbnb doesn't own property they they provide a service that gives you access to housing right same goes for uber and lyft this is a this is the industrial revolution we're witnessing right it's not about the physical. It's about how do we create these services and deliver on a on a grand scale, on a bigger scale, right? Now, when you say it like that, it doesn't sound like these demonic entities have come to take over and destroy the industry. Well, let's be fair. We always go through an evolution. We go through moving into the new design of what will be. And then we we part ways with the old. It's hard to transition. It's hard to change. But it's important to know that you love what you do and that there are opportunities for people to be able to be a part of it. Right. Because it's not it's not going away. Like, you know, I'm I'm one of the few people in the world who still holds on to physical media. Right. Like that is not the norm. Right. What's the norm is I could look at a whole season of TV on my phone. You could do what? I. I remember a Nokia. I remember a two-way was the most incredible technology I knew about. Like now we on we could make whole movies off the phone and then redistribute them back onto the phone for other people to use on their phones. Well, actually, but, the bigger point is remember when you had to watch a show the night that it came on, or else it never came on again. It, it, it was a big deal. What if it was a like what if it's a show that only had like one or two seasons? Then it's never going into syndication. So you never gonna catch a rerun. Like mm-hmm. it was like you had to be there or like you know, like I'm a kid. I I there's a show called Boss Master. Tell me who, what Boss Master, like that ain't that ain't part of the lexicon of popular television, Power Rangers and freaking like for Sailor me, Moon for that matter. For like, me it's Firefly. Firefly had a few seasons and that's it. But like, is like think about like the access, right? Like, if you didn't see it, it didn't happen. It wasn't real. Like you missed out. You wasn't. You didn't watch it on Wednesday. Then you ain't never gonna know ever in your life. You forever missed out. But now, like you know, at least Netflix will warn you. Hey, this will be gone soon. You better get it in while you can, because you know we about to move on. It's like, oh, I know what I got to do. Right? I can at my own leisure within this time frame. I can watch this show. So you know. It's the evolution of time, right? We all we all got our own little idiosyncrasies that we hold on to. And me being a little geeky kid, Bossmaster was my jam. And well, I don't even think I've ever watched a full season of it. But that's the point. If I didn't get to it in time, I was out of luck. But, but you know, more question. 
B, I got a question. How do you feel like your um just a little transition? How do you feel like the um the skills that you implement um in your professional and the skills that you implement in your community work, um, how do they correlate? Like as a catalyst for people in the community and then as a project manager at work? Well, so I've clarified it's product manager. Actually, product managers hate to be called project managers. It's like it's like oh, it's like the ultimate offense. It's the ultimate offense. Got it. Right there. But, got um, it. Uh, so the thing is, product managers, you own a product, right? And you optimize that product to be useful to an end user. So I, if you start extrapolating that out, like, you know, my product uh, is this community that I think is underserved. And I'm doing an analysis on what they need and then trying to build products, you know, whether that's, again, the content that I create uh, on my blog or, um, you know, on my social media or the talks that I give to try to, like, you know, optimize for that area, right? Like, so, for instance, a lot of the talks that I'm doing right now are about how to kind of challenge and, you know, ask, ask for a raise, for instance, because I realized in the community, I was like, well, you know, so people are now comfortable to apply for these jobs, but they're not comfortable to ask for what they're worth. Right. So then you have to optimize for that next step. And then once people are comfortable asking for what's their worth, then maybe the next step will be something like, how do we like make sure that they actually have um, like that they, they're getting the right skills or getting the right access to information to level up their skills so they can get to like senior management. So it's kind of like a, it's a constant process. So it's a product. So, like, so I just treat it like a product that has to continue to be optimized. And, and I do that by kind of listening to what people tell me. OK, nice. that's what's up. That's what's up. That's like. That's a nice way to show the transferable skills for those that don't know transferable skills are skills that you develop in one area that can transfer to another. And I think it's important because we don't have, at least in my time, like I work in workforce development. Right. And so it's important for me because I've also worked within like kind of the, the probation system, the juvenile justice system. And so the correlation is, if right now there, you know, in the Bay Area, there's rampant, you know, theft, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, people will post these videos of, of young people running in Walgreens trying to snatch everything and run out. And then the post will be like, this is why we can't have nothing. They making us look bad. And I'm like, hold on. Understand the dynamics of what they're dealing with, right? They might not have access to basic needs or resources, and they might lack the exposure, experience, or education to understand what is the importance of money and how that relates to life, right? Because it's like, well, they they all right. They got Air Maxes on and Jordans. And it's like, hold on. Like they, like, they don't come with the innate need of Jordans, right? Those are things you develop by your community. Those are things that you develop based off of your relationships. And then they become like signals or markers of your own self-worth, right? But we don't want to look at it like that. We just want to break it down to those are $200 shoes. You just ran and stole these Q-tips. What is you doing? But in reality, it's like, well, I got to eat and I got to be able to feel good about myself as I continue to live on in this world. And if these shoes make me feel good about myself and help me look just a little bit better while they catch me on this camera doing what I need to do to survive. So be it. Right. And it's not to say that I'm condoning it. It's not to say that I'm allowing it. I'm not endorsing the behavior. I understand it. And I'm accepting of the reality because I've been able to be in the rooms with the families where it's multi-generational. These are things that are instituted and institutionalized into the family, right? These, oh, well, if I don't commit a violent offense, then I get a slap on the wrist and I get to go about my life, right? Or yeah, I'm gonna owe some money, but I grew up in a household where debt was something we moved away from and we shied away from having a conversation about. So when I say transferable skills, 
-hmm. yes in a sarcastic most literate and most technical terms but it's important that we speak upon these things and make them the norm because these are attributes that speak to the duality and our abilities to show up in a workplace in a way that not everyone has access to because they don't they don't they don't grow up with the understanding and the fundamentals of like my grandfather made a shack for my grandmother right we didn't really have multi-generational wealth to go and have someone create it for us we had to figure out how to do it ourselves and so now me showing up all these years later okay let me take these skills that i've developed in product management and now see how to serve my people in a different capacity but for me what was the call to action like when was that moment when you realized like you know what i need to like I need to show up for my people because I mean, to sit, to say you enjoy your job, right? You could easily just turn the screen off, throw the computer out the window and be like, I ain't got to deal with this. I'm good. But what made it so that it's like, you know what? It's not enough. Like, what was that moment for you? So I'm, I'm going to address that question, but I also want to go back to this idea of like, oh, like, it's not OK. Like, you know, you're going in and taking stuff and you're wearing these shoes. First of all, those shoes could have been twenty nine ninety seven and Marshall's. First of all, but they are Nike Air Maxes. I don't care. Like a sale is a sale. So like I've never understood this idea of like you wear nice clothes. Like in fact, I mean my family was dirt poor and I wore really nice clothes because we called them on sale, right? So like I don't really understand that logic behind it. And also like this idea of like you know there's like this idea of the scam, right? And and black folks, I mean we will we were like you know we wrote that check on Wednesday. And we were hoping you weren't going to cash it on until Friday because that's when the paycheck hit, right? So I, I just think that there's also this idea of like, you know, it's all about survival, right? And so the things that people do to survive, like, and I also think that your mind, so when you're in survival mode, the way that your mind operates is completely different than when you are no longer in survival mode. And so I, I give so much grace to people who are in that space because of the ways that they would act is very vastly different than the way that I would act now. But I also was in that place before. So I just, I wanted to acknowledge that. Um, in terms of uh, why I feel such a need for this is that I was, I, I was literally dirt, dirt poor. Like, you know, my family, I remember a story of uh, uh, one, you know, that late, the woman who went to jail, like they put her in jail for years and she couldn't vote because uh, she put her kid into a, a school in a different district and she used a fake address for it. Like that was literally my entire uh, childhood. Like my mom would have friends who would, use various addresses so I could go to those different schools. And my teachers knew. And so my teachers would say, like, B, we know that your phone isn't working because my phone, like our phone was always off and they didn't know where we lived. And they would be like, I can give you this note um, because I know I can trust you to take it to your mom to make sure that she knows that you you did something. Like, I didn't really do much wrong. I was really good at teachers. I'm not gonna lie about that. But a couple of times I did do some wrong things. They're like, we can give you this note because we know you're going to give that to your mother, right? And so I, I think that th that was my mindset. And I remember my mom um, talking to me all the time. And she was just like, B, like, you're going to have a better opportunity. She's like, you don't have to be anything fancy. You could be a plumber. You could do, like, whatever. Like, I don't really care what you do. But you need to understand that there's a lot more opportunities out there for you. And she would be like, well, you need to go and go to the library and like check out this book about scholarships, for instance, when I was applying to college. And it was because my mom, so my mom didn't always know the answers, but she always knew that there had to be a solution. And so her mindset was vastly different than most people in her community. And she imbued that in me. And so when I got old enough and I started looking at other people, I was just like, wait, you don't think like I think. And I realized, I was like, this is a unique trait. And if I could figure out how to like imbue that in other people, then this is an ability for us 
to create an army of amazing people, right? Because the number one thing is, is that it's not, it's not about, you know, any flashiness or like wanting to be famous or anything like that. It's about wanting to have a society of people who are successful because we have a society of people who are successful and successful to me, again, coming from my background is your bills are paid. You know, you could take a nice vacation. You could get the you could get the not on sale Nikes, right? Like, like that to me is what success really looks like, right? And so it's like if we can create more folks like that, then we're gonna have less people who are causing harm in other places. And so it's really a harm reduction mechanism. Like when I think about the world and I think about the bad things that happen in the world, I'm just like, man, if that person wasn't so stressed out because they didn't have a job where they weren't getting paid or they were in a space where people were being disrespectful to them and being harmful to them, so then they go out into the world and they create more harm, then maybe, like if we could reduce that, then maybe the world could be what I think it could be, which is just like this really great place with people who create positive, amazing things. And so that's really what it is. And so it's that that desire to just have more positivity in the world because it's just, it's it's too hard to think that there's no hope. So like if I can figure out how to help create more hope, I think that's what really makes me do this work all the time. We out here in these streets, y'all don't understand. We are, we really out here. So one, um, going back to what you said prior, because when you said harm reduction, you that was it. You you let's throw it all let's throw it all out the window. But you know, just to kind of to go back to how you know this community of like minded folks works, right? Like Nipsey in an interview has said, when you're in survival mode, you're not worried about the rules, the law, or what you think about me. And what you just said was you're trying to take people from survival into thriving, right? Because when you're mm-hmm. thriving you don't you get to have morals again you get to have ethics you get to have boundaries you get to have capacities for yourself and that's that to me is the important part of like these conversations is is how do we create understanding when there's moments of division how do we create compassion when there's moments of like aggression or harm right and harm you said harm reduction so let me break down for those that might be unfamiliar if i see somebody smoking some weed and i run up on it i'm like you shouldn't be smoking no weed. Smoking is bad for you, right? That's they're they're more likely to meet that with you're my adversary, you're against me. This is a divisive moment. Now, if I come to them and I see that they smoking a blunt, right? For those that don't know, that's when you have a tobacco wrapped leaf around some marijuana, right? Now, if I have the conversation with them and I say, Oh, you smoking blunts, have you ever smoked papers? That is now the harm reduction, like that is harm reduction because we're taking it from you smoking a blunt, which is, okay, I see you're smoking weed. Let's have a conversation about other ways to use this, to consume this, right? Because then I can, I can break it down from, okay, you smoking a blunt to maybe you could smoke papers to maybe you could smoke a pipe to maybe you could eat it, right? Because a lot of times people are smoking weed for the benefit of what it does because it does have benefits, right? Whether that's to relieve stress, whether that's to deal with anxiety, whether that's to deal with appetite. Everyone has their reasons, right? Whether it's recreational or medicinal, we all have our reasons. So the thing is in harm reduction, it's, oh, you're smoking. It's causing harm because the tobacco leaf, right? Yes, I get it. The That great choking, burning sensation of that first initial hit it cannot be matched. But what is it doing now? Because you're you're associating the weed with the tobacco, you're almost changing your mind into the, the, the dependency beyond just weed, right? The dependency is now, 
I need it on a routine fix because I also am taking in nicotine with it. Now the conversation changed. When I talk to kids about this, they be like, yo, I never thought about it like that. No one's ever talked to me about it like that. I, you know what? I'm going to try it and see what happens. And I'm yeah. not looking for them to like change. I'm looking for them to at least explore the thought to see like, well, how do you engage with your own personal health? And then trying something different because eventually maybe you get to the point where it's like, oh, I don't even need it. Or maybe I get to the point where I'm not putting smoke inhalation into my lungs. I'm consuming this in a more sustainable manner. Right. So harm reduction is the idea of let's reduce the harm and let's and that doesn't just apply to like substance use that applies to the community that applies to how we treat each other that applies to our conversations on our communication but affluent what would you get ready to say oh uh, well before before we let b go because she got she got things to do at home and we want to make one, sure that one we quick thing one quick thing my pronouns are they them there so so they they you right excuse me thank you um and I've been and I've been good all this week about it. And every reference when talking about you, I'm like on point. And then I messed it up live. Um, excuse me for that. Uh, but before we let B go, they have have some home things to take care of. We want to make sure that they they do that. But B, I want to hear. Um, Senior talked about uh, something that you mentioned um, that you do, and in, in terms of listening to people. Um, uh, and creating that conversation instead of like stereotyping, um, instead of cross passing judgment, um, creating that conversation where you create the opportunity to listen to somebody and say, you know, have you thought about this or have you tried this? And you know, how how important is is that uh, in today's society uh, for us to promote listening and allowing um, dialogue to happen um, and allowing people to. Like you put it, I think in your on your blog for the, um, at the end of last month, um, just like unlocking somebody's you know true self. Um, you know how important is that right now? Yeah, I think it's super important. So the thing that we have to remember is that every time we interact with someone, we bring in our own biases, right? And that is a huge issue. Like to be truthful, like so obviously I am a super proper like you know, Yankee now, like, even like, so I'm still Southern, but like, in some ways I'm a Yankee, right? And so like, I, I am materially different than many people I interact with on a regular basis. And so if I put my own biases on them, in fact, I was on, I was listening to um, a call with someone who actually, I deeply respected before this call, but after the call, I was like, whoa, I, I don't know Dang. if I respect this woman anymore. Um, and it was because like, it was very obvious that they were just, they were following a script in the advice they were giving people versus listening to what people were like saying. So for instance, a person, like it was a Q and A section and the person asked a question and, and in the question, they it indicated why they couldn't pursue a certain path, but that person had already like decided how they were going to answer. And so the answer made no sense whatsoever. Right. And so I know that when I thought about that person, how they left that, that call, I was like, they have to be so discouraged because this person who they highly respected didn't listen to them. And because you have your own biases, you have to take a step back. Like, so, for instance, I'm a very loud extrovert, you know, so like when it comes to like, for instance, like someone might say, like, I don't know how to ask for a raise. I've never had that problem because like I know how much I, I'm worth and I'm real loud about it and I will leave the company like I will legitimately just be like, just so you know. I already got applications out. So you can give me a raise or you cannot, but we good, right? But most people aren't like that. And so you have to really take a step back and think, if I were this person, if I wanted to be successful in this person's situation, 
what do I need to, what type of advice do I need to give them? So for instance, like with the, the asking for a raise, for a lot of introverts, it's so much easier for them to do research and create like a table of the various salaries, right? Because then it's a data-driven thing. So it's not even them, they don't even necessarily even have to say it. They can just say, hey, by the way, uh, I looked up all this information about my role and like my years of experience. And I noticed that this is how much I, that, that these people get paid. I was wondering if we could work to that. Right. And so that's something that's a way an introvert can actually go about that and be successful in that conversation. And then, you know, they're actually then they get they feel very empowered and then it allows them to kind of open up in other ways. So it really is about being the type of individual who takes that step back, who thinks about individuals and then make sure that your advice is tailored to them. Because if it's not, they're never going to be unlocked. Right. And so then it's like, what was the point of it? Like, what was the point of even participating in this way? Right. Because it just it, because it just is a waste of both of your times because you haven't taken the time to listen to them. And obviously, when we think about like the larger picture of things, right, like we think about government and stuff like that. I always think it's very fascinating because like um, being a southerner, obviously, I'm probably a little bit more conservative than some like, you know, my California counterparts. Right. They're, they're some honestly some of the stuff y'all do out here in California. I'd be like, y'all really do that in public. That's acceptable. Like I did not even know that that was a thing that that you know that you did, right? So it's like really, really fascinating. But the thing is, is that by me coming here and just being completely open to what they're saying, it's completely unlocked my mind about so many things too. So the other reason that you want to listen is that sometimes it makes you take a step back and kind of improve upon who you are. And that's the other great value out of it is because like one, if you ever get to the point where you've stopped growing, like what the heck is the point of living life, right? And so it's really, really great to 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 have that two-way communication because you help the other person, but then you also often get help yourself. B, thank you for that. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you for our audio only people? What what is the, the places you show up? Yeah, so I am across the internet. So first of all, I'm the only B Pagels Miner in the world. You know, my wife insisted that we be a dual name, so we we are the Pagels Miners. Um, uh, and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I honestly, so if it's professional, I, I really prefer LinkedIn just because it always makes it easier for me to understand the context. But I also love completely shady, trashy stuff. So feel free to send that to me on Instagram and Twitter because it, it tickles me to death. Um, and also one of my favorite things is I love when people make me blush. It's actually, it's, it's, it's getting harder because you Californians, again, have helped me grow. But I freaking love the stuff that y'all said because it's, it's it will be hilarious. B, thank you so much for your time. We're not going to take too much of it. I appreciate you taking this time out with us. Thank you for sharing so much and giving so much of yourself. But I am tempted, you know, we got to get a part two, part three, because there is a wealth of information that people need that you that you have. But in the meantime, in between time, you know where to find B. B Pagels Minor, right? That's that's B P as in you know Paul. Paul. And then instead of it being like bagel, you take that B out, put a P. I know it's confusing, but then minor, y'all know that, like B minor. So B Pagels Minor, right? B P A G E L, whatever, M-I-N-O-R. But anyways, B, thank you very much for coming through. I'm sorry for butchering your, your name. But um, I appreciate you and, you know, all the praise and all the love and all the admiration and continue the work and just know all our resume is going to be popping up soon. So thank you. I love it. Bye, everyone. Take care. Enjoy dinner. Peace. For sure. For sure.